I'm Laura Zach. And I'm Brittany Ashley. And this is Sicker Sadder World, the podcast where we rewatch episodes of Daria and related to our current world. For our final episode, we have two special guests here Gus and Dog Laura. Gus and Dog Laura will probably be growling at certain points because I feel like they just can't accept the fact that this podcast is ending. It is the sound of their unrest. I get it. Of their disapproval. Oh, so cute. I wish you guys could see. Where's your head at, dog, Laura? Dog, Laura, what do you have to say for yourself? So obviously this is a very sad time, but it's also a very hopeful time. And to commemorate time, we decided that we want to make commemorative t-shirts. Hell yeah. So we will have a link up on our website at sickersadderworld.com. There's going to be a store tab. You can go there uh, in the next few days. And hopefully we will have something up for you. Where we'll be selling shirts, limited edition. And if you follow us on Twitter at Sicker Satter, we'll be posting about it there as well and also on our Patreon. So if you are engaging with us in any place, you will surely see this opportunity to purchase this rare shirt. Eventually, it'll be a collector's item. It'll be like a first edition novel, but a shirt. A first and only edition. Exactly. And for our Patreon supporters, you will be given a discount code so that you can receive this shirt for a very special price. Ooh, yeah. Tell them what they get. You get the shirt. That's it. (laughs) You get get our love. You get to feel like you're loyal to us. Brand loyalty. You get to potentially meet other people who recognize your shirt and know right away that you're like minds. And maybe you'll go on four dates like two of our other listeners. They are on their fourth date, y'all. They have had they have shared dessert. We've seen a picture of a pie They've or a cheesecake. They've shared a kiss. There's been sidelong glances, brushing of fingers. Brushing. Upon fingers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the possibilities they are endless, so please join us. In visually branding yourself with cartoon images of us. It's hard to really know what to say right now. I feel truly a little bit at a loss for words. It feels a little bit too daunting. I've never been one for goodbyes. It doesn't really feel like a goodbye necessarily. Only only a hello again. Ah. But if you have not listened to part one of this episode, where we discuss the first half of Visit College Yet, you can... Check that out. Listen to that first before this one, because we are going to get into the second half of the movie after smoking a little... 420 refreshment. A little legal mood lifter. My emotional support weed. I feel like something happened cord pulley since last time. I just feel like it's been a really weird week. Yeah, I think you need to tell them. Can you just give like a vague logline of what happened you don't have to say like the effects but you just be like i got a blanky blank okay 
I did some candle magic, and then I got an exorcism. So what does that mean, Laura? And then I got my period. So what I'm saying is it's hard for me to speak eloquently about the long-term effects of the work that I did with my roommate's girlfriend because because there has been so much going on emotionally. There's been wrapping up the podcast, which is emotional. There has been a transition in my relationship, which has been very sad. There has been menstruation, which it always is hard to parse out where where the feelings are coming from and whatnot. And where the tampon string ends. Okay. And on top of all of that, there's been higher powers stepping in or stepping out, you know? I think I need to make clear that she offered it to me. I did not ask for it. It felt to me like when someone offers you a breath mint, the etiquette is you absolutely should take it because they're trying to tell you something. I think if an exorcist offers you for free an exorcism, you take it. It's uh, you take that exorcism. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and uh, check, accept, please. Accept. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> what do you say? Let's take care of it. <laughs> She talked with me about what I want to release. She talked about certain things I've been experiencing lately as branches rather than the roots of the issue and tried to help trace with me what the root problem was or like what the root trauma was in order to untangle that from the choices that I'm still making. So it honestly just felt like therapy. (laughs) It felt like a different language for therapy and and also language that she used that felt very familiar to things we've talked about before. Mm-hmm. She talks about people existing on different frequencies and the higher your frequency, it's like the more work you've done on yourself. Usually it's people who are able to sort of manifest more of what they want in their life, who seem happier, who are fulfilled and also who have done the work. So it's not that they haven't experience traumas it's that they've worked through the traumas and that you can raise or lower your frequency in your lifetime and that certain things that cause your level of frequency to take a hit are traumas or heartbreak or harming other people or living beings and that entity attaches to you and she, she doesn't use the term demon she uses entity when you hit a certain low frequency so that actually did resonate for me and I can understand that like being more susceptible to negative energy when you are feeling low yourself right it's also somewhat of like a prophecy fulfillment even maybe Mm -hmm. yes and so she invited in my ancestors she invited in a bunch of very specific spirits including something called a jaguar energy and invited them all to help push out what I need to let go and to replace the vacated space with fire energy and what I want to bring into my life and yeah TBD about the long-term effects but it's been a a strange week and I definitely have noticed some shifts I just don't really know how to articulate them at this time 
Uh, meanwhile, I got an electric guitar. That, Similar. That, but it was from a therapeutic place of my new therapist telling me that I need things that keep me in the present. And so I got an electric guitar. Didn't have an exorcism, but I'm going to exercise the fuck out of those nylon strings. Am I right? You're going to unleash some Jaguar energy on those cords. Your ancestors are going to be invited to this emotional concert. Oh, God. Are you guys just going to miss us so much? I think so. La, 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 la. La, 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 la. This is my style. Got to get up. Excuse me. Excuse me. I've got to be direct. If I'm wrong, please correct. You're standing on pizza oh you're recording right uh-huh. oh sick yeah we got pizza we wanted to commemorate um you know being jane and daria mm-hmm. by sitting across from each other and eating pizza mm-hmm. and talking about lawndale what could be more jane and daria than that we're also literally sitting across from each other the way they do for most of this podcast we sat side by side recording and then we have this new setup now so we are exactly them right now. And when we started, Brittany made me a little notebook that had every single episode. It was really sweet. It was like every few pages. She had every single episode title with a few blank pages that I could write notes on every episode. And on the back, it said, me, Daria, you, Jane. <laughs> Oh, you're like, oh, I was so sweet. Do you ever have that moment where you hear about something really nice you did? And you're like, fuck, I'm like kind of sweet. Yesterday I ran into my friend Curly, who I haven't seen in like a year. I like how you didn't give me a chance to answer that. (laughs) It was was, was hypothetical or rhetorical. Uh I saw my friend Curly and he was like, Brittany, you look so beautiful. And I was like, oh my God, thank you. And he's like, I actually found a card that you wrote me like four years ago. And it was really sweet. And I was like, oh, my God, I don't even remember that. I am so kind. I have to point out what everyone's thinking. That you just told a story that simultaneously conveyed that you're beautiful and kind. And all I got to say is I also love how confident you are because what a story to tell. <laughs> it had something. To, it, it made sense why I brought it up. I feel like you don't believe me. No. Um, no, I mean it. I think you do think you're great. And I think that's great. (laughs) I'm serious. Do you think you're great? Yeah. Okay, so what's the fucking problem? There's no problem. (laughs) I'm legit complimenting you. I'm not mad at you. 
thank God I finally have an excuse to talk about my feelings about Dove. I feel like Dove, when they came out with that whole campaign. The soap? Yeah. Okay. You know, how, or the beauty like company. Like, you know, when they came out with the whole campaign about different types of beauty and it was a little bit more like inclusive of different body types and more diverse. And I really liked that, obviously. But I also felt very patronized and pandered to because I feel like those types of companies have literally made their money off of milking the insecurities of women about the way they look. And I feel like now it was like they were suddenly turning on a dime and being like, oh, that's so weird that you don't like feel good about the way you look. It's like, like, I wonder what got that in your head. Yeah. It's like, first of all, you were part of the problem. Second of all, I don't like the assumption that to be a woman is to be insecure about yourself or your body or the way you look. Yes, of course, being socialized female, we're hit over the head with all these messages of what we're supposed to look like and the beauty myth, et cetera, et cetera. But also, we can love the way we are. That's great, too. Oh, Laura brings this up because I was in the Dove ad. And ever since then, I started to think I was beautiful. That's why Laura brought this up. I brought it up because we were both talking about liking ourselves. And Whoa, I think you that... just raised your voice. <laughs> we should get to that, the rest of the movie now. Oh, my God. You're mad. No, I'm not. I wish you could feel how not mad I am. I'm having a great time. Really? Okay. The sounds my voice starts making is not... Are you gaslighting me? (laughs) No, I'm telling you to believe what I say, not what I do. So, yes. (laughs) Okay. Did we mention that we get stoned? Oh, yeah. Sorry. If we have any first-time listeners... In the very last episode of the series. About once a season, we get really stoned and record an episode and see what happens. But let's get to the rest of the film, shall we? So would you like to remind us where we left off? So we left off with Stacy freaking out because she's like, oh, fuck, the wish that I made on my birthday candles is that Sandy wouldn't speak. So therefore, she has to find someone who knows how to lift a curse. Hmm. Because she believes there's a curse on Sandy. Again, the synchronicities abound between the world of Daria and the world of us. Exorcism, lifting a curse, curse? come on. Hello. But also, Jane found out that she didn't get into any colleges. So Jane and Daria are talking about basically Jane's future, and she's all... I don't need college to be an artist. Basically, like everything that Trent was saying, she's kind of just like regurgitating and you don't even know if that's what she actually means. And she clearly feels insecure about having been rejected. Right. And then Mac and Jody, they have a scene where Mac got into Vance and got the scholarship. But then Jody cries because she got into Cressmore and Turner. And, it, you know, what that's we talk- so typical. It's like Jody's so amazing. And there's so much pressure on her and she has to do so much emotional labor to take care of her parents and everyone around her that things that should just be pure celebration end up giving her a reason to cry. Yeah. I hate when she cries. Makes me so sad. Seeing women cry is actually very hard. And men. Seeing anyone cry is actually quite hard. Yeah. Don't be so gender essential. Except for like babies. 
it's hard to see babies cry. I mean, that's why in like they a different survive. Way, but I think it's hard in a different way. Oh, no, that's not why they survive. They're cute, and that's why they survive. What? The evolutionary reason for baby animals, whether they're humans or otherwise, to be so cute is so that their mothers will want to keep them alive because they're otherwise they're kind of useless. They're not like contributing to the pack. Right. I remember when I was a baby, I would sneak out of my crib and go in my mom's makeup and put on mascara so that my parents found me very cute. Oh my God. Uh, yeah, that reminds me of when I was a baby. Oh my God, what happened when you were a baby? And my mom was like, oh my God, Brittany, you're so cute. And then she Wait, was your like, your mom said that about me? No, I'm saying you just did the same thing. You told a story about like, yeah, when I was a baby, you wouldn't believe how cute I was. And how Wait, cu- is it because in that story, I had mentioned how when I saw Curly and how good it was to see him, he like gave me this compliment and then he gave me another compliment? Is that what you're talking about? Yeah, because he was like, first he was like, oh my God, you look so pretty. And I was like, thanks. And then uh, this he whole- said I was beautiful. <laughs> I think beautiful is much better than pretty. And I love that you told that story. I can't tell if you're fucking with me or not. Uh-uh. Not to brag, but he called me beautiful like five times. <laughs> but it was the first thing that came to mind when I thought about that conversation. Him telling me something. Right. He was like, yeah, not yeah. only are you beautiful, you're also so kind. Yeah. And more or less words. That's what he was mm-hmm. getting at. My Good. favorite is when you say that you like that you're kind of attracted to Casey Musgraves or whatever. And you're like, she looks like all these people who are so hot and kind of looks like me. <laughs> like, what does that say? Well, I'm saying that Dove commercial changed my life. They had you describe yourself to an artist and then the artist did a picture of you and the picture was stunning. Yeah. I mean, when I when I when I got the call from my agent, you booked this commercial. It's for Dove, but we can't tell you what it's about yet. And I get there and I'm like, all right, what's going to happen? Dove, is it soap? Is it chocolate? Who knows? So I go in and I sit down. Wait, that's a really good question. Yeah. So I sit down. I know. I'm also very smart. There's an easel in front of me and some woman named Sharon who's like, I'm going to draw you. Tell me, tell me your worst qualities. And I told her my worst qualities. She asked my best qualities. She asked my medium qualities. She's like, and then I'm going to paint a picture. And then she showed me the picture and it was absolutely stunning and it changed me forever. You knew that you, and then that's when you realize that you have only good qualities. (laughs) Exactly. The Dove commercial saved my life. It was a whole campaign. It wasn't a one-time thing. Really? But I feel like the one, you know, the one I was in. Oh, 2013. I showed up to a place I'd never been and there was a guy with a drafting board. We couldn't see them. They couldn't see us. Tell me about your hair. I didn't know what he was doing, but then I could tell after several questions that he was drawing me. You're more beautiful than you think. How fucking patronizing. Right? That's what I'm saying. It is so fucked up. Only in the patriarchy could something like that exist and then get applauded. I was like, oh my god, you're telling women that they should realize that they're beautiful just the way they are. And it's like, bitch, don't you think a lot of us already feel that way? And that maybe the tactics of you and your ilk have not worked over our lifetime? <laughs> I really hope 
that all of our listeners feel really beautiful. For sure, but not because we told you, but because no, no, no. Cause you already feel it. In fact, I hope you feel like I was just patronizing to you because you're like, bitch, of course I do. Exactly. So Daria got into Raft, but she did, but she got on the wait list at Bromwell and Helen is trying to pump Daria up to Raft, but Daria finds it pa- patronizing. Hello. Similar themes there. Wow. The parallels. And it kind of is just like after her shitty trip trip to Bromwell, after she couldn't even see Raft, after Tom being a dick, it's like nobody can really make her feel better about this Bromwell situation. She's used to being the most intelligent in her whole class, pretty much. And now I think she gets out to this world and sees that, unfortunately, there's much more political shit that goes on with how you can succeed. Because in high school, it's like, you know, it's that way with like athletes and whatnot, but you can excel on your academics without any sort of like politics getting in the way. And when she tells Tom, she gets upset because he kind of ignores that she got into raft and is just bummed that she got waitlisted. He got in. Yeah. And he's all, yeah, he's also like, oh, fuck, nobody gets in from the waitlist. And he's blurting out this like very blunt like explanation of like how it's probably gonna pan out and then Daria says to Tom the only thing that would keep you out of Bromwell would be a murder conviction and she finds it very like morally shitty that because she believes that because his family went there that he got a pass over her who maybe you know they had the same grades but he just had like more opportunity of nepotism Mr. O'Neill and Mr. DiMartino meet at Liquid Dinner, which is such a good name for a bar. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, is this the first time we find out Mr. DiMartino's name is Bob? I thought it was Anthony. Oh, Anthony DiMartino. I thought the bartender said, hey, Bob. Yeah, I think that's just like what guys do sometimes. Maybe he said bub. Yeah. Hey, bub. Yeah, it's Anthony DiMartino. And I love that they share my ties. They're having my ties. I really like the gender fuckery that goes on, even though I'm not a huge fan of like DiMartino swooping in and trying to make decisions about Timothy's. We're going to talk about them as adults now, huh? Really? Yeah, we've graduated almost. Him coming in and, and having thoughts about a relationship that's not his own just because yeah. he hates Miss Barch so much and calls calls her the she-devil. But then they both cry. Yeah, because, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, because Timothy's really moved that Anthony <laughs> is, uh, you know, willing to help him with this. So, Libby, uh-oh. Lindy. Yep. Lindy, uh-oh. <laughs> Libby and Bob. So, they're at the movie theater on uh, what I thought was kind of a date at first, but then it just ended up being a friend date. Yeah, Lindy gives off. Wanting to date Quinn vibes, though. Yeah. How about I make you that mirror, Quinn? Yeah. I'm going to take you to the movie theater so we can get a little drunk and maybe kiss Quinn. I love drinking. Maybe it's because I haven't examined certain things inside myself that I want and des- and need. Turns out Lindy has a little bit of an alcohol problem. Yeah. She puts booze in her drink at the movie theater and then she offers some to Quinn and Quinn shakes her head no. And I was very proud of Quinn. When Lindy is going to drive them later, Quinn is very responsible and 
suggests that she shouldn't be driving and instead tries to get a ride from Upchuck, who happens to be there. But this reminded me of a first date I went on. The woman very quickly downed two or three very strong margaritas and then had to like abruptly leave because she had, quote, a Saudi prince staying with her. She was the one that kidnapped Hawaii. me to Hawaii, mm-hmm. the um, heiress. Mm-hmm. And so she had some major investor from Saudi Arabia staying at her house. And so she had to go meet that guy at some party. I walked her to her car. She had a breathalyzer test in her car. Wow. I was like, that's not a great sign. I mean, it either suggests that someone's very responsible or it suggests that someone has a problem. And I chose in that moment to interpret it the former way. Man, you've hooked up with some weird people. I've had a journey. I don't know. I don't know. I can't account for it. Tom apologizes for being kind of rude when he first heard about her waitlist. Offers to use his privilege for Daria's benefit by having his parents write her a recommendation. She declines. And I really like the scene where Helen is trying to make Daria feel better about raft and she's explaining kind of like the the privilege that tom has which is that some people have a certain edge over the rest of us and then helen shares with daria that actually when she was going to college she got rejected from her first and second choice colleges and obviously that's what created daria and look at her now what do you mean that's what created daria because she met jake in college and if she hadn't met jake then she might be way more successful than she is now. <laughs> yeah, but also that she wouldn't have had Daria. Right. Mac goes to Jody's dad's office. He's doing this like really fucking good partner thing where he's like, I identify the fact that Jody is miserable, but she will never say anything about it and to help save her in this situation and take on, I guess, like the burden of what it would feel like to be rejected by Andrew Landon. He bites the bullet and is like, I hope you don't think I'm out of line, but Jody's super unhappy about having to go to Crestmore. And he's trying to convince her dad to let her go to Turner, which is where she actually did want to go. And he does blow her cover in the fact that she obviously applied there and got in. Well, because the dad doesn't even know. Yeah. Doesn't even know that she applied. Yeah. Um, but her dad is also super delusional and is like, what do you mean? She loves Crestmore. Crestmore and Jody, they love each other. Yeah, he's not been listening. Yeah, and he's like, no, dude, she's super afraid to tell you. Ugh. I like just couldn't imagine growing up with a parent like that. Daria and Jane are at the pizza place, and Jane still hasn't sent in her portfolio. And then we see Kevin and Brittany, and Kevin asks if Brittany will still be my babe regardless of where he goes. And basically, Jane and Daria kind of like create this deal where Daria will agree to let Tom's parents write her a letter of recommendation if Jane will send in her portfolio. Like they're both deciding to respectively reach for the thing that they want. And that doesn't go over well with Trent, who tells Jane that, Sending her portfolio means that she's selling out and Trent won't even drive her to the post office. 
to like mail her portfolio. It's really fucked up and weird. It's not very Trent like, honestly. Well, even at this stage, you can tell it's not it's not really about Jane. It's about Trent, you know? Mm-hmm. Stacy's being kind of a willow. She's trying being to do a, a spell. Yeah. She is trying to give Sandy a potion that's disguised in soda to try to see if it'll work to get her voice back. But it accidentally is given to Tiffany. That causes Stacy to fess up. Like, Sandy is so intimidating to Stacy that even mute and like writing notes on a notepad, she can bully her into doing what she wants. And she calls her a saboteur. <laughs> also, Tiffany's just choking in the background and nobody notices. Which, as a former uh, choker. What do you mean? I choked once and like almost died. Oh, right. That's horrifying. You'd just be around people and they'd have no idea you're choking. But you didn't do it in front of people. That's why it was the scary part. Right. Ooh, that's dark. <laughs> but then Daria gets the Bromwell rejection. The letter could not save her. Jake is ultimately just relieved that it's not the army. So that's two of two dads that are kind of clueless to what's actually going on with these applications. Mm-hmm. So now we're at the restaurant and Lindy is doing her job super poorly. She's clearly hungover. Her boss finds a cup of booze. Because it's pink lipstick on the cup. Yeah. And Lindy wants to lie. She wants to say that it's Quinn. But Quinn has the morality enough to not do that. So then Lindy throws Quinn under the bus, basically. But it doesn't work. It's just kind of like this really pathetic scene of like, clearly I'm going down. So I'm going to try and take someone down with me. Or just get someone else to go down instead of me. Right, but... It was so pathetic that she was going down anyways, and then she was going to ruin a friendship on the way down, too, just, like, for no good reason. And Quinn was like, oh, Lindy. Like, even Quinn knew, like, oh, that's not a good look, girl. Yeah. And Daria has to break the news to Tom at the Pizza Pit, <laughs> trademark Laura Zach, uh, that she did not get into Bromwell. Things get tense again. They're going to start to fight again. And then it kind of leads into a breakup talk. It starts out being just kind of practical. Right. Like, you're, we're going to different places. Now it's decided. Like, if they had both gotten into Bromwell, maybe they would have stayed together. But then how could you stay together after what she said next, which is that she's getting bored? Yeah. Well, I think, again, it felt like uh, the ship's going down. I'm going to take other things with me as it goes down. Or I guess more like... Maybe you're jumping off the ship and you're like, I'm going to take someone down with me. No, that's not the, that's not the right metaphor. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I'm following. I mean, you, listen, you hear this saying all the time. All the, all the, all time. the time. You hear this saying all the time. The ship's going down. No, you got to jump onto a smaller <laughs> ship and take out your fishing pole. And then you got to go out and find a lobster man. And you got to say, hey there, lobster man. Have you seen anything? That looks like a big anchor. And he's like, I work in anchors. Do you mean metaphorical or literal? And then you say literal, of course. Wow, beautiful performance. <laughs> I'm just saying that phrasing, like going down and taking everyone with me. What does it physically represent? Like in what circumstance would you be physically 
falling down and you'd grab <laughs> someone else with you. I'm picturing like falling down a mountainside. Would you just grab someone's ankle and take them down? You know, like you? you like have a rope that you were using to climb and you fall and you just start whipping it at people and trying to <laughs> literally pull them down or like like do you know what I mean? Now? Yeah, like visually what's what going, that comes from. Yeah, how am I going down and in, in what circumstance would I grab another human down with me? I have all sorts of visuals now. Oh, show show me. Skydiving. But why would you take someone with you? I guess that doesn't work. <laughs> Just the other people are randomly floating in the sky, of course. <laughs> One of those big funnels where you circle the drain, circle the drain. In this instance, you're a tiny speck. Yeah, you're like the size of a ball. But why would you grab something with you wouldn't it make you go faster down and die yeah you're dying either way might as well take someone with you i guess so you might as well kill another human being if you're i'm not dead. saying i would do it i'm just trying to think of what visually that would look like i yeah i don't really understand what the purpose would be other than like a misery loves company type situation oh yeah so Dari and quinn this is a really but sweet they broke up though yeah, they, they did. Up. And Jane walks up and is sort of cheery and it's like, whoops. And oh, yeah. It is nice to see that resolution of her arc regarding them, though, that she is fully OK right at the moment where they are crumbling. Totally. It's sort of nice. Poetic. But Daria and Quinn are both bummed. They're both sitting on the couch and Quinn is like, I think my friend has a drinking problem. And Daria's like, I dumped Tom. They both kind of try and equalize each other in in showing the other one that like yeah something shitty's going on in my life too and quinn is very nice to daria about it and then jane comes over and she's like what happened why did you dump tom i liked when quinn said you're gonna have friends and everything about daria going to college which I think she really meant sincerely because through her experiences going to these different parties with Lindy, she's exposed to a type of person that is more to more of like a person who splits the difference between Quinn and Daria. Yeah. It's people who are cool and hip and social like Quinn, but are also intellectual and curious and not super shallow like Daria. Yeah, Jane comes over, though, and is like, oh, you're the bastard? Like, she assumed that Tom broke her heart. Right. So then Quinn goes over to Lindy's. Quinn just doing some, like, overtime maturing in this. It's like retroactive bada-bing, bada-boom. Oh, I meant, like, she's growing very quickly. She's put in these situations where she has to, like, take on major responsibility and, like, but she, I also think the way she's handling things is realistic to how old she is. Because, like, I feel like when I was younger, there was more black and white thinking. If, like, a friend got too drunk one or two times, I'd be more quick to then be like, oh, my God, they must have a problem, like, intervention. Like, be more of a mom about it. Right. <laughs> Basically. Be a little more like a square. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, it was just everything was a little bit more cut and dry. And I, there wasn't enough allowance for the gray and for nuance. And I'm not sh- saying that Quinn is 
inaccurate in her assessment of Lindsay having a problem. But I do feel like the way she handles it is fitting for her age, even Mm -hmm. though it comes across as very mature. But then Lindy takes fault and she apologizes. And Quinn tells her, like, I know I'm not really qualified, but I think you have a drinking problem. And you got fired because of it. And Lindy gets super defensive. I think probably because of her age as well, gets, like, incredibly defensive And that makes Quinn really bummed because she thought that she was helping. And then by, you know, trying to help diagnose what this person's problem was, it made her pull apart even more. Pull away. Depart. Either one. Detach. Tom calls Daria but doesn't say anything. It's like the 90s version of when someone starts texting you and it's just the ellipses. And then they don't say anything at all. And then Everything Hurts plays in the background. Yeah. We both passed by her phone. And nothing happens. It was a very, like, cinematic shot of them, like, both lying in their beds and seeing that, like, their nights kind of ended the same way. It is the last day of school at Lawndale High, and Jody is pissed, but it's a misdirect. She actually is very happy and in love with Mac because... God, what a roller coaster. Yeah, she's going to Turner because it turns out her parents were so impressed at the gumption she had shown to just apply to Turner anyway behind their backs that they were like yeah you should clearly go there yeah you're also an adult and it's a really sweet moment and Jody and Mac have this really sweet kiss Kevin reveals to Brittany that he isn't graduating that he actually got held back but he's like anyway we're still gonna date right and she's like yeah and they kiss but she's crossing her fingers totally which I feel like that didn't really carry to 2018 That was a huge thing in the 90s and early aughts. If you cross your fingers, it means you're lying while you do the thing or say the thing. I haven't seen that culturally referenced in a long time. I think it's because we did it when we were children. Could you imagine an adult doing it? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Bill, I'll get you those reports by noon. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Oh, my God. That didn't even occur to me. Right, because like I'm, you know what I haven't played with in a long time, Play-Doh, and it's so weird. I don't get why. It's like yeah, because you did that when you were a child. You know what I haven't seen lately? Hide and go seek groups. Do you take this woman to be your lawfully wedded wife? Uh, yeah, I oh. do. <laughs> You, those of you on this side can see what I'm doing behind my back here. <laughs> it's just preschoolers, and he kills it. Oh, Oof. I feel like Trump would do that, though. A hundred percent. I think yeah. he's going to bring that back into the the forefront of maybe culture. every tweet that's just been like he's actually a been lie. Yeah, like every tweet that's been just a bald faced lie has just been him tweeting while crossing his fingers. <laughs> He really commits to the bit. Mr. DiMartino is coaching Mr. O'Neill in his impending breakup. And he wants him to say, it'll be a cold day in hell before I marry you. And then 
Mr. O'Neill's gentler interpretation is, it'll be a chilly day in Hades. (laughs) And Barch comes in and they very quickly get to business. She gets very upset. And she also is like, we could role play. We could play farm wife and National Geographic photographer again. She's basically like, remember the good sexy times? We could do that again. Yeah, reminding him of why he's into her because he is into her. He just wasn't ready to get married. Miss Barch punches him in, his, in Mr. Martino's good eye. In his gut? In his good eye. Oh, his good eye. In his good. All right. All right. So Trent tries to talk to Jane, and he's sort of like, I gave it a thought, and I kind of understand if you want to go. And then it becomes clear that really this is just about, like, he is going to miss her. Aw. He just loves her so much. And then he's like, maybe I should get a puppy. And then another sweet thing that happens is that Lindy comes over to Quinn's and gives her the mirror. She only takes a little bit of accountability. They really nuanced Lindy in the way that, like, sure, she's got a drinking problem and is really defensive about it, but she's also going to follow up on that mirror she promised you. Hell yeah. What what nuanced character Honestly, development? Lindy has a great future ahead of her as long as she can get her addiction out under control. She could have a very successful Etsy shop. And then we see Tom sadly standing near his car. Helen sees it too. Everybody cries. Everybody hurts. Sometimes. But that Tom and that dad and that wife and that these two are just consciously uncoupled conversations. They are acknowledging their gratitude for each other. And saying, I'm glad we went out and expressing a desire to be friends in the future. It was really ideal. They hit all the the big points. Yeah. Which can only really happen, A, after a lot of time, or B, if there was no explicit wrongdoing that led to the breakup, which there wasn't in this case. Right. So then Dara and her parents... She, she walks in and she tells Jake and Helen, I have broken up with my boyfriend. I remain convinced it is for the best. I also want to let you know that I'm excited about college next year. And then she like marches upstairs and Helen's like, I think she's going to be okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Again, a beautiful way to end Helen and Daria's relationship with, with Helen being like, you know what? This kid's figuring it out. She's going to be just fine without me. Something we never saw happening happens. Upchuck finds someone to want to make out with him. And it's the goth girl. It's Andrea, who's voiced by Susie Lewis. Not in that episode, but for the most part. Daria tells Jody about her breakup. And there were echoes in this moment for me of the time in, was it, is it fall yet? Where... They're at a party at Jody's house, and everyone's so confused at why. Why? Yeah, why are you here with? Yeah, why Daria and Tom boyfriend. are together? Yeah. yeah, and then Jody got really awkward about it, and like here was a different moment where they were like asking her questions about a relationship, but now totally. it's because it ended. And uh oh, Sandy got her voice back, and she also has a list of tasks that she's going to force Stacy to do to make it up to her for cursing her, 
and but then Stacy's like, um, uh, uh, uh. this is unfair. Also, I honestly think that Stacy's character development is some of my favorite as well. Oh yeah, it's some of the most extreme. Mm-hmm. And then Stacy, Tiffany, and Quinn all decide to take a sabbatical, which Sandy, which makes Sandy say, "Gee, Quinn, that's crazy." Because I was gonna announce my sabbatical. And then and then they're like, wow, it's the end of the fashion club. Then they all cry and hold on to each other, but then they all make plans to do exactly what they've been doing this whole time. And don't they still have another year of school? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. They're not graduating. So beautiful graduation day. We get a lot of what we expect Wait, to see. You forgot about that Jane sent the portfolio to art school and she got in. I'm brushing my eyelids. <laughs> no. my eyelashes against the microphone and then I really like thanks for talking me into applying thanks for helping me through high school that was so sweet you just I was gonna get into some ASMR oh with your eyelashes yeah I don't have to yeah remember that one person was like and they just said have a warning oh okay yeah, I think I just more. got more high <laughs> yeah I think so too did you? no like you I meant you did. Uh, please, if you do not like ASMR, um, skip forward a little bit. And now I'm going to have you sit down and <laughs> sit down as if you're Time Thumbelina. And picture that I'm a giant and I'm coming in at you with my giant eyelashes. And I'm going to gently run my giant eyelashes across your thumbelina body. Okay, here we go. Please come in and sit down on this stool. Sharon is going to be across from you with her easel. And we just want you to say your three worst qualities. What do you not like about yourself? Oh, what else? Okay, oh, what, what one else? more thing. Yeah, one. Okay, now did tell you get, Sharon, did you get that? I got that. Now, tell me something beautiful about yourself. Let's do three of those as well. Okay, great. Oh, oh that's, what that's lovely. lovely. Mm. Oh, I agree. Yeah, yeah agree. Uh, uh, I noticed that about you, oh, too. Interesting. Oh, Sharon's already done with the picture. Yeah, so here. Oh. You are so beautiful. You don't even know how beautiful you are. Truly not. By Dove. Now we're going to go back to our normal voices in case anyone only likes ASMR and wants to turn off the rest of the episode. Turn it off now. Oh, Oh, wow. (laughs) What just happened? (laughs) It's blacked out. So Jody gives the Val Victorian speech valedictorian 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 <laughs> valedictorian valedictory get in here uh so she looks at her parents and then mac and it's very sweet it's while she's giving the speech and principal lee is trying to get donations out of parents and then Trent is in the crowd, too. Kevin puts out a mustache, and he's in the crowd as if to be like, I'm actually not here. 
And then Poor the, guy. I do feel for him. Oh, my God. I feel so hard for people who get held back. So then the Diane Fossey Award in Dazzling Academic Achievement in the Face of Total Misanthropy is awarded to Daria <laughs> Morgendorfer. It's kind of like, in a way, it's kind of like the moment in Buffy's prom episode where she receives like something that's so catered towards her that none of the other yeah. kids, you know. Yeah. Like, oh, like you think we so, didn't see you this whole time? We fucking so see you. Singular and unique. I'm not much for public speaking, or much for speaking, or come to think of it, much for the public. And I'm not very good at lying. So let me just say that in my experience, high school sucks. If I had to do it all over again, I'd have started advanced placement classes in preschool so I could go from eighth grade straight to college. However, Given the unalterable fact that high school sucks, I'd like to add that if you're lucky enough to have a good friend and a family that cares, it doesn't have to suck quite as much. Otherwise, my advice is stand firm for what you believe in until and unless logic and experience prove you wrong. Remember, when the emperor looks naked, the emperor is naked. The truth and a lie are not sort of the same thing. And there's no aspect, no facet, no moment of life that can't be improved with pizza. Thank you. We check back in with our thruple, and Barch is giving DiMartino the right hook, and then telling Timothy that she's freaking hot for his autonomy. Yeah, she is turned on. I'm intrigued by, by this alluring new backbone of yours, and they're back together. And then they front bone. Oh, I hated that. <laughs> Or maybe they backbone. Yeah, I I mean, maybe a little both. So Daria's speech, I just want to go back to. There's no moment, no aspect of life can't be improved with pizza. And today we had pizza and I agree. And I also agree. And also I felt like her speech, you could word for word take part of it and apply it today to be a an anti-Trump thing mm-hmm. because she literally talks about stand up for what you believe in unless logic and experience prove you wrong. If the emperor looks naked, the emperor is naked. And a lie and the truth are not sort of the same thing. All three of those things yeah. feel like a direct contradiction to the warped reality we live in right now. Yeah. What a sick, sad world, huh? Oh. But then... We end at the pizza place and it's Jane and Daria together and Jane says something like, you're getting soft, Morgendorfer. And then they cheers to college. And I love that it just ends with them. It's perfect. There's like some series that do that. Like they end a series the same way that they began or they end each season the way that uh, like the way that each season had left off in a way, like stylistically unreal. I don't know if you ever watched that. Yeah, I did. But every season ends with Quinn and Rachel outside on the little like yeah. lounge chairs at uh, Everlasting. And I just I love that it feels so like put together in the way that it's like time is a circle <laughs> and, and you like you recreate these these moments and and like you know when they visit each other they're gonna have pizza together and they're gonna like 
latch on to this thing that makes their friendship so unique to each other, you know? Yeah. Like those like cool traditions that that people build into worlds I like that. Hopefully they'll still have time for each other in college. Oh, uh, they will. They'll remain best buds. Best laid plans, you know? Are you not hopeful? No, I am. I'm I'm really hopeful. Do you think they're still friends? Yeah, I do. Do you think Jane voted for Jill Stein? No. Okay. Then they'd still be friends. One of our listeners pointed out a very important still frame from the credits of this movie, which is that guess who got married and had babies together? Lindy and the other host. No. I think that was Lindy and the bisexual woman from Is It Fall Yet? No. Yeah. I think so. No, I think it was the other host. Check it. Check the receipts. I'm fucking gonna. <gasps> yep. <gasps> Wait, was her name Allison? Yeah. <gasps> yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Call back. That I feel like that must have been a queer lady on on the crew. Whoa, wow, cool. It is cool. The only thing that's not awesome about it is they have like the two queer women. One is a negative stereotype of a bisexual woman and one is an addict. (laughs) Which honestly, all right, fair enough. It's not that far from the truth. (laughs) But yeah, isn't that cool? That's pretty cool. That's a great way to end it. Mm -hmm. End it gay. I did get gay vibes from Lindy. Yeah. Mainly because she made a mirror for Quinn. Yeah. Like, when you look at yourself, think of me. You're beautiful. Yeah. It's really a way of her saying, being able to say, you're beautiful every day. Dove. Hope that was fun for you all. You may notice I sound a little different now. It's because we are sober. Yeah. Speaking of what did you say at the beginning? Something about time messing with time. Yeah, I was rambling and I don't know if it made sense, but I was uh, not stoned. We're doing that now. We are taking you back in time to our lucid selves so that we can give you a proper last adieu. Before we carry on in our lives, you carry on in yours, and then we meet again in many other places, hopefully. One of which is Angel on Top. You can find us there. We are pretty much doing the exact same thing, but just talking about the show Angel. Correct. It is a rewatch podcast where we watch every episode of Angel in order, spoiler-free, in tandem with Buffering the Vampire Slayer. And we write a poem every episode. And for our lovely, beautiful Patreon supporters, as mentioned earlier, we will be selling a shirt and we'll be posting for a few more weeks. So feel free to stick around, but also feel free to remove yourself from that Patreon. But if you would like to continue to support our work and our podcast ventures, please consider going over to our Angel on Top Patreon and maybe giving there instead. 
Hell yeah. So before we bid adieu, we just wanted to say a few words about how we feel. We want to thank you all so much for making Sick or Sadder World such a fun and vulnerable space. As our country moves through a dark time, there are a few mediums that allow us to feel creative, comfortable sharing, and being able to access our better selves. And I believe that Sick or Sadder World is one of those places. Daria is undoubtedly a special show to us. I mean, I know that I can still remember what it felt like to be a teenager tuning in obsessively to MTV for a half hour of bliss with the coolest characters, the best music, and the wittiest one-liners. I wanted to be in Lawndale in some sort of Pleasantville situation. Oh, yeah. And I felt like I was looking at my peers because I was in high school at the time, and I saw someone who exuded such an unapologetic intelligence and confidence that I didn't necessarily have myself. And now we both work with Susie Lewis. Who, yeah, talk about manifesting. So that's the co-creator of Daria, and we work with her. I sit across from her. We have this small office together, and I can randomly ask her for stories whenever I want. And best of all, we get to record with our good friend every week, each other. And the dogs. I also feel like we The man- dogs aren't here as often as I am. I'm not going to say that the Daria reboot is being considered because of this podcast, but can't really prove otherwise so (laughs) gonna take credit for that as well it's been an honor to talk about mental health all the time and to aggressively plug where should we begin yeah I love being Esther Perel I love where's your head at I love getting too high to remember if we even recorded the intro it's been an honor I'll miss Kevin and Brittany's dysfunctional relationships Stacy's and her goddess Quinn's humanity, Jody's wisdom, Jane and Daria's subtle eroticism, Helen's BDE. Oh, Helen. Oh, Aunt Amy. Sandy's ruthlessness. Everything about Miss Barch. Mr. O'Neill's vulnerability. Mr. DiMartino's vulnerability, honestly. Principal Lee's frugalness. Jody being goals in every way. Jake's vocalization about childhood trauma, and Daria's hope for a better world. Brittany's self-satisfaction at the conclusion of a letter she feels very proud of. She's doing a whole interpretive dance to show her pleasure with what just transpired. (laughs) And mostly, I'm going to miss all of you. Totally. Connecting with you on the various social platforms, getting to know you finding each other through this very specific avenue y'all weren't just the people who also loved daria you were the people who liked talking about daria in this very specific way totally so that is a very special community that we have grown and i do hope that you'll continue to be in touch and come with us on other creative journeys I hope you'll grab that t-shirt that's coming out soon, rock it with pride, tag us so we can show your beautiful selves off. And, I mean, I'm going to say it. I, I love you. I love you. Oh, God. I love you. <laughs> why, why did you sound like that? <laughs> <laughs>